0: if you were not aware, look around. You have arrived at the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. If my voice is not the first indicator that this is the place you were looking for, perhaps if you close your eyes and take a look around, you'll find that you are no longer in the place that you were. You've instead been transported to another place, one outside of time and space, one where an interdimensional spinner rack sits before you. Usually it holds all the books that we have a chance to choose from each and every week from DC Comics. But right now, given our current climate, during a shelter in place in a pandemic, facing uh, a disease that we are still trying to understand, we found that there's an opportunity Instead of pining for what is to come, instead of dwelling on the fact that there currently are no new comic books, and we are forced to look at what we have and what we've been given, I've taken this opportunity to look back at some of the best titles that we've had an opportunity to experience from DC Comics, starting with January 2019 in last episode, episode number 52 keeping things rolling along as smoothly as possible. For this episode number 53, I'm going to move into the top five books from February of 2019. Thanks for joining me. We're going to dive right in with my first choice, then move into an ad break after my second choice and finish things up with choices three, four, and five. I'm happy to have you here with me and looking forward to jumping in to our first pick. And for that first pick, I'm taking a look at The Batman Who Laughs, number three. February introduced us to the next phases of the nefarious plan Not The Batman Who Laughs has been engaging from issue one, perhaps even since his time during the Metal series and his first arrival. When it comes to The Batman Who Laughs, the feeling is that He's always been planning for everything It's just a matter of what he chooses to execute In this story by writer Scott Snyder The team up with artist Jacques Colorist David Barron Letters Sal Cipriano And a cover by Jacques With a very menacing Variant cover by Riccardo Federici Batman Batman who laughs number three is probably the fact where this issue really caught my attention I mean, one, I'm impressed that it and a few others were the biggest sellers for the months of January and February but then as I dove in and remembered these storylines it was easy to see why it was that this was so important I, think I meant to say easy. I don't know what that word was that tried to come out, but easy. It was to understand why these books were so popular, were so powerful, made such an impression, and had the sales numbers to go along with that. In this issue number three, we open with the scene where Batman, as the young Bruce Wayne, has fallen down into the cave. The cave is the place where he has his first exposure to bats and develops a Early fear for them that he will later turn to his advantage in the way that we all know as the great and mighty Dark Knight. Also, in this story is the budding or beginnings of the repairing of a relationship between Jim Gordon, Commissioner Jim Gordon, and his son James, who is a convicted serial killer. Batman joins this discussion as someone who is trying to stop the plans of the Joker, or as he always feels in the character known as the Batman who laughs. I know it's Bruce Wayne under there. I just know he's so corrupted for some reason. I almost just want to call him the Joker, but I know, like we all do, he's not. This is the Batman who laughs. And in case there's any question, well, the Joker's currently recovering in the Batcave. So, it has to be the Batman who laughs, even if he's from another universe. I get used to that sometimes. I'm still getting used to it. It's a struggle. But it's the reason why Batman, James Gordon, Jim Gordon, and his son James are talking. The crux of the discussion is the fact that James is on medication known as diaxamine 2. And Batman agrees with Jim that the medication's working. But right now it's not something he wants to stay true. Batman has a map <laughs> of Gotham and it is currently studying the water system where he believes there will be an attack in response to a series of fail-safes that he installed in coordination with Wayne Enterprise, a little something known as Last Laugh. Now, Batman tries to use the tactic that the Batman who laughs will eventually be coming for him as well, because the Joker says that James, or the Joker at the time had said that young James at 13 years old was a legend, one of the best criminals, and... His books and journals were filled with routes and genius combinations. But the story takes a twist when the arrival of the Batman who carries a gun, someone I have often mistakenly referred to as Thomas Wayne, who is not Thomas Wayne, this is the Grim Knight, a version of the Dark Knight who picked up a gun, crossed a line, and is now willing to collaborate with even the heinous likes of the Batman who laughs. What really also strikes me about this issue is how much is Batman is continuing to lose in the early chapters of this conflict while being harassed by the appearance of murdered versions of himself from other parts of the multiverse. And yet, he's not alone. Others like the Penguin quickly fall victim to the machinations of the Batman who laughs. And the strategy that he is employing is not only effective, but it appears to be outwitting even a brilliant detective mind like the Batman. The final pages are a harrowing reminder of just how far the Batman who laughs is pushing Batman, and it's why I'm happy to give this book a solid 5 out of 5, start things off on a really strong note here on episode number 53 of the DC Comics News, Spinner Rack. And with that, Let's go ahead and move into my second choice. And for that second choice, I'm looking at Batman, issue number 64. This was the second highest grossing book from DC Comics in February. And again, looking back, required me to stop and consider just was occurring at the time of this book's printing and its release. In Batman number 64, we begin the crossover storyline titled The Price, or The Price of Justice, as it's called in this book, a story that follows up on the collaboration between Batman and Flash in The Button, and then later, while working on the murder mystery of Heroes in Crisis, another book we'll be talking about in this episode, and how... This was also a storyline that interrupted the Tom King Nightmare storyline. As the issue points out, that storyline will pick up after The Price had completed its run. Now, The Price was written, or this issue, from Batman number 64, was written by Joshua Williamson, with Guillaume March providing the art, Tomu Mori with the colors, Steve Wands with the letters Chris Burnham and Nathan Fairburn Providing the original cover With Sean Murphy providing the variant cover There is something Very impressive About how this book Introduces Where the Lingering effects Of a crossover And a multiversal um, Resonance Is impacting Batman Now, here in part one, we start off with this break from the Batman Nightmare storyline. And the story opens with Batman examining the body of young Wally West in a morgue, mortuary-like setting. And he's also recalling a recent struggle that the Justice League took on when some of the attempted versions of Amazo are released and attacking and while the Justice League is fighting them Batman sees Amazo charge a hero who at first is Superman and then later becomes another classic hero that we've seen appear recently in comics as well as in television and in that moment squaring off on Oolong Island and watching the Amazo construct crash into one superhero and then suddenly appear to change to another superhero causes Batman to reach out to Alfred and ask for a bioscan even though it's clear that he knows that what's happening is about something else. Everyone on the Justice League is tired because it's the fifth situation they've dealt with this week and on top of it Batman is still reflecting on the strain of the Heroes in Crisis storyline, the loss of so many young heroes, and the greatest frustration that he and Barry can face, which is to have a criminal science detecting mind and not be able to solve a mystery. And perhaps it's why Batman, while examining the body of young Wally West, finds it not only jarring, and yet a connection to storylines surrounding the DC universe at this time. It's well pointed out to Jon Stewart by Wonder Woman that Batman and the Flash were working to investigate the killer and that the frustration to see what else might be the cause is where we picked up our story. The Justice League has been pushing itself and on top of it there always seems to be a danger. This time it's the Central City Flash Museum which is under attack. Flash arrives to save as many people as he can And Batman soon arrives as well. Flash believes that Batman was near the attack because he believed, and still believes, that Batman knows who might be at the root of it. Which is when Batman reveals that what's happening is a return to the storyline of Gotham and Gotham Girl, which is now only survived by Gotham Girl and that both Flash and Batman are aware of how dangerous they are and the struggles that the Justice League faced when they took on Gotham and Gotham Girl. Batman wants to find her before this gets worse because he knows worst-case scenarios as a possibility, that worse is something he is only beginning to understand. In this process, we have an opportunity to learn a little bit more about what's driving Gotham Girl, what she hopes to accomplish, and along the way, why there is a tension between Batman and The Flash, and why it is that The Flash is able to speak so directly and be so demanding of Batman, not something he'll normally do. But in this situation, he finds that he needs to press in order to get the information he's looking for. It's the introduction to a very powerful crossover, one of which we still have three chapters to review and hopefully cover here on the Spinner Act. And actually something I know we'll be picking up because another book in that storyline joins us here this week. That, of course, is my second choice, Batman issue number 64. That's a very solid 5 out of 5, one I really enjoyed and I'm happy to share with you as a reminder of one of those great books we all got a chance to experience back in February 2019. And with that, it's time for us to take a quick break, let you catch up on all the comings and goings and great content available here from DC Comics News, and then come back to join me for episodes number 3, 4, and 5. Thanks for your patience. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics
1: News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, (laughs) and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spider Rack. And now the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the
0: night. Well, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Madpuff, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn?
1: Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, go And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle me, I definitely do not fuck that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm.
0: As promised, a short break, and we're back. Thanks for catching up with us and all of the comings and goings here at DC Comics News, all the things we're involved in, all the ways you had a chance to learn about how you can be involved, where you can contribute, and what you can dive into for your interest here at DC Comics News. With that ad break out of the way, we're going to dive into my third choice, which is Heroes in Crisis number six. Very powerful Series by writer Tom King, featuring art by Clay Man, Mitch Gerards, Colors by Mitch Gerards and Tomu Mori with letters by Clayton Cowles, a cover by Mitch Gerards, and a variant cover by Ryan Sook. And Batman number sixty four moves us so easily into our third choice, which is the Heroes in Crisis number six. And in Heroes in Crisis number six, there's still the murder that needs to be solved one that Batman and Flash have been working to solve together. But this issue begins with three characters, Wally West, Narc, and Harley Quinn. And through the pages of the story, we have an opportunity to see vividly. Through sometimes one or two pages, sometimes a six panel, sometimes a really nice splash page. And what we get to see is that they are missing something in their lives, and that the hope behind the Heroes Project at Sanctuary House is that this is where they can restore or heal. Now, Wally is struggling with the fact that too many heroes feel like he is the hope, the return of something that they believed was missing. And his return means something to them. While he doesn't feel he can understand that same sense of meaning, because in this new timeline, his children don't exist, neither does his wife, Linda, someone that Wally had always referred to as his lightning rod, the person who could be a source that he could always navigate his way home to, no matter how far he'd gone in the time stream, no matter how far away he was or lost he seemed in some unbelievable story. It was always Linda. And now he's in a world that doesn't have her, one in which he's trying to adjust to the symbol of hope that he is for others, even though he struggles without the complement of hope in his life that he always depended on, Linda, and his children. Meanwhile, Gnark misses a time when, or Gnark, misses a time when he lived in a prehistoric age without industry and society, fighting against animals, fighting against other humans for food or survival, and what it means to reflect on some of the deeper philosophies that he has discovered since arriving in a modern world. Finally, we have Harley who lost a relationship that she had formed with Ivy, and she hopes to heal. She's been damaged by her relationship with the Joker, and her ability to be a healthier person like the one she believes she can is dependent on how successful she will be at Sanctuary House. One of my favorite moments is when Gnark is contemplating Plato, talking about living in a cave, watching the shadows on the wall, and how the goal of life is to leave the cave And see what made the shadows. See the world and what it is that makes shadows on the wall. What's important? And yet he also recognizes that maybe he's overthinking it. Now, of course, this dialogue, these thoughts and reflections come during some very powerful visual moments that are so juxtaposed that you find yourself lost in deciding whether or not you should follow the narrative of the words the pictures that accompany them in a shifting landscape. Or, whether well, you should just read the book twice, maybe three times. Once for the words, once for the pictures, and then once for the full experience. Perhaps, though, I'm being dishonest, because I believe, actually, what really stuck with me in this issue is the final page. A really great moment, when some heroes who don't get as much attention as they should are featured, and the understanding that we're only scratching the surface of stories that we might get to hear in the upcoming issues, and the sense of apprehension that comes with setting this all up and the hope we might have at better understanding each of these characters, the struggles they face, and what they hope to achieve. But there's also the fact that we have to consider what their story means to the overall and overarching narrative and how their role may have factored into the continuing mystery of who brought tragedy and suffering and death to the sanctuary house a place that was supposed to be for hope and healing it's a very powerful story one that combines very thoughtful narratives regarding three extremely compelling characters whose stories you'll find it hard to tear yourself away from even as this book draws to a close and it's why i'm so happy that i can add heroes in crisis number six as my third choice a great five out of five book the top selling third top selling book from dc comics in february 2019 and one that i am lucky enough to share with you here today let's go ahead and move in to my fourth and fifth choices Now for my fourth choice, I went ahead and took a very close look at the number four selling book from DC Comics in February, and it was, to no surprise for me, The Flash number 64, otherwise known as Part 2 in the The Price crossover between Batman and The Flash. Picking things up in this Part 2, carrying over from Batman number 64. We return to the struggles facing our heroes. This story, written again by Joshua Williamson, with pencils this time around by Rafa Sandoval, inks by Jordi Tarragona, colors by Tomu Mori, letters by Steve Wands, an original cover by Chris Burnham and Nathan Fairbairn, and the variant cover by Tom Brady and Alex Sinclair it's a great flashback and as much as I love a variant cover and this one that celebrates the, the sort of brilliant flash of lightning and power that represents the flash it's the original cover that offers such a haunting possibility for the inside of this story a broken beaten Batman and Flash lying on the ground together hovering above them a shadowed silhouette that appears ominously like that of Gotham Girl, who has been a bit of a conflict and an issue during this story. It was Gotham Girl who, in part one of The Price, destroyed the Flash Museum, paired Batman and Flash together after their struggles working on the Heroes in Crisis mystery. And it's here that we see that they have turned to a new source, someone who can... Help them. See, Gotham Girl and Gotham were given an opportunity to have powers, but the usage of those powers kills them. This already took a drastic turn for Gotham, and now only Gotham Girl has been surviving. But there's a lab and tests and the possibility of something that might change all that. What really catches me about this issue is. The way that Flash and Batman work the crime scene at the Flash Museum and the unacknowledged but mutual respect that they appear to have for each other and their detective skills. Batman, always respecting Barry's ability and questioning whether or not Barry Allen might be the better detective. But meanwhile, you have the Flash, who feels like Batman is one of the few people he can ramble on to about evidence techniques and crime scene investigations and as far as he's concerned Batman will always be the greatest detective that he's ever known. And there's some great moments in how they appear to each other, Batman feeling like whenever he looks at Barry, that he's thinking about Wally or seeing him. And Wally who struggles to be around Batman and be reminded of the deaths at sanctuary the strain that it's put on the team and the way that they're doing their best to make it work they've discovered a plant species that is illegal in most areas but because of a pesticide sample evidence points to the chance that it's on an island in the caribbean while here glaring clue that lets them know they've possibly arrived at the right place is a very ominous looking giant castle. And then the tension is broken when you realize that for all the things they do Flash and Batman, just like all other superheroes, are only aware of parts of each other's lives which is when Flash has a great moment by turning to Batman and saying speaking of break-ins, how's married life with Selina is the honeymoon over yet? And Batman turns stuttering to say you don't know about what we all know of what was supposed to happen and didn't happen during the wedding between Batman and Selina. And how the discovery of a phone call from Iris and the awkwardness shared by Barry when she suggests just what he can tell Batman on her behalf and his decision not to glosses over the moment of confusion and lack of understanding between two heroes. It makes for a very touching experience, and it's a great reminder. But it's lost in the discovery of the fixation that Gotham Girl has created regarding other superheroes. Padme wants to defend her, fighting off Barry's attempts to compare her to Eobard Thawne and trying to point to the nobility in her choice to use powers, even though they were killing her. Batman even admits that telling her that they were killing her was not the truth. It was simply a decision on her part, because he didn't want this life for Claire, which is the civilian name Gotham Girl had before she took on her superhero identity. And it's another point of tension the flash who feels that this is yet another example of when batman decided when someone needed to know the truth when they needed to be benched when it was that they actually listened to him and what the consequences have been in those situations there's also a very touching moment where barry remembers wally and their earliest days together designing a uniform And that sets them off on a series of questions to uncover who might be helping Gotham Girl. Because Barry points out that he helped Wally with his costume, and that Robin, each version, had help with their costumes. Batman leaves it to Alfred. But that means that Gotham Girl potentially has had some help not only with her costumes, but with whatever it is she's working on. What that is, well, is a powerful power source and also a legion of, well, unpleasant, mostly undead-looking figures who are a distraction for Batman and the Flash as Gotham Girl prepares to set off on her next stage in her plan. This was a really powerful issue. The price introduced some tough concepts in its first part back in batman but now here in the flash as more cracks in the surface continue to appear what is released and sneaking through those cracks is the struggle that both heroes are facing not only with a problem they can't solve but with the strain it's put on the relationships with each other It's a really great insight into the psyche of two of DC Comics' most powerful and popular characters, and it also points to the similarities they share, despite being so visually and classically different. really loved this story, I loved what it's introducing, and I love that it leaves us with this great little cliffhanger. Just what will parts 3 and 4 bring? If you've read these stories before, you already know. And yet looking into them again is such a wonderful reminder of the joy and experience they brought to us. And if you haven't read this story before, well, you have yet another cliffhanger to dive into experience and enjoy. And then, of course, see if other parts of this story join us on following issues of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. But before we get too far ahead, looking at what's to come Let's finish things up with my fifth and final choice And for that fifth and final choice We move into Detective Comics Number 998 In this story by Peter J. Tomasi Providing both the story and words with pencils dyed by Doug Mankey, Inks by Jamie Mendoza and Mark Irwin Colors by David Barron Letters by Rob Lay. An original cover by Mankey Mendoza And Baron with a variant cover by Gary Frank and Brad Anderson We find ourselves in a story of dark and magical forces By the way, if you find yourself looking at the original and variant covers And are torn between which to choose Well, you can always... Sort of let your eyes gloss over, hear the sound of that plane landing in the distance And reach out blindly, choosing one, or Not have to make the choice by taking both But I think whichever cover you will pick, you'll find yourself happy to bring this issue home with you We start out with Batman Interrogating Hugo Strange I almost said Victor Strange Hugo Strange And referencing the power that Hugo displayed in the Night of the Monster Men crossover series. Not finding many answers, Batman reaches out and makes contact with the Batcave to request his Hellbat suit. A combination of powerful forces forged in the sun by Superman, relying on limited powers of Hal Jordan, Barry Allen... Arthur Curry, Victor Stone, Diana Prince. The Hellbat suit draws on the very power source that is Batman's metabolism. If he's not careful, it could end up sucking him dry in the attempt to take down the monster that he goes to face, one that has the demon Etrigan quite a disadvantage. And it's only Batman who can launch in and provide a distraction. Now, the monster he's fighting claims that it and Batman are brothers, that they both spread fear, which is something that will be revealed in more detail to Batman later. But currently, he's fighting for his life. The suit is breaching. Batman is facing a 95% chance of a cardiac arrest. And yet, as he always does, he finds just enough power in Strength to make one final attack, and using that is able to take the monster down in a way that I didn't really see coming. And yet, because of it, we get back from Etrigan, the arrival of Jason Blood, and the discovery of some unique clues, including a grappling gun from the earliest days of Batman's discovery and journey to becoming the greatest version of himself he could be, and a meeting with Dr. Silas Stone. Batman is worried because he knows that someone is attacking all of the figures who provided leadership, teaching, mentorship to a young Bruce Wayne during his journey to become and build a better Batman. But while he's there, Batman realizes that Silas Stone does not appear to be the target that he feared, and that now he is actually a deepening part of the mystery that Batman has been trying to solve. This is issue number 998, as we count down to number 1000. But what Batman will have to face before he reaches that monumental book? is a challenge that pits him against potentially his worst enemy. What might that be? Well, we can take our clues from Jason Blood, who said that the monster that they were fighting was a manifestation of the fear that Batman has created through his identity as the Dark Knight and his influence over Gotham. But when faced with that possibility, Batman believes that Despite the negatives that come from it, his choice is the only choice that keeps Gotham standing. Jason says that he agrees and that he finds that his work often requires the same decision-making process and overall understanding. Powerful issue, a great experience, and what a wonderful way to remind us of the build-up that was issue number 998, just two issues away from that classic Detective Comics Number 1000 And with that fifth and final choice It brings this episode Number 53 Of DC Comics News Spinner Rack To a close Yet another 5 out of 5 book From Detective Comics number 998 A great way To end this look back At the top books From 2019 This episode focusing on The top 5 books from February of 2019. I know I enjoyed looking back with you sharing these titles and remembering the experiences that were generated by their stories. And of course, talking with you about what it means to experience that memory anew. And during this time of reflection, remember the great stories that drive us each and every month to pick up another issue to see just how many ways the talented artists and writers we know and love can bring new concepts to life. It's only a short time now before we return to those days. But in the meantime, I've really enjoyed looking back with you. We'll be doing the same next episode and I look forward to sharing it with you. Time for a couple of quick reminders on how you can always stay up to date. DC Comics News is available on every major podcast platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast platform that you use and listen to. If you haven't yet, I'm going to encourage you to head on over, subscribe to the podcast, and rate and review. I think we're five stars, but it's your opinion I'm really curious about. When you do that, you will guarantee that every new episode gets dropped Right into your playlist selection on your podcast player. Now, it's not just the DC Comics News spinnerback that you will subscribe to. You also have an opportunity to join myself, Steve J. Ray, Kelly Gaines, Brad Falicki, and on occasion a few guests for the weekly DC Comics News podcast, one in which we discuss all the comings and goings in movie, TV, streaming, comic books, and more each and every week from DC Comics. There's stories I never even considered and surprise me each time they come across our table and we get a chance to discuss them. I hope you had the same experience, but I won't know until you share it with us. And that's something that we like to make possible for you. You'll also get the chance to experience new and original content, whether it's new episodes of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, the edition of I Am The Night by co-collaborator, co-conspirator, Mr. Steve J. Ray, his episode-by-episode episode breakdown of Batman The Animated Series, and our newest edition, Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast, in which Brad Filenki, Kelly Gaines, Steve J. Ray, and myself let our hair down, take off the censor and self-censor And in doing so, talk about a great new Harley Quinn show that unfortunately, in order to, well, give it the experience it deserves, we have to take off the filters, and it's an adult-only conversation. That's Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast, our newest selection from DC Comics News and the DC Comics News Podcast Network. If you've got something to share, say, or otherwise express about anything you've heard here on the dc comics news spinner rack the dc comics news podcast episodes i am the knight or even the new mad love we try and give you all the ways possible to let us know just what you're thinking on social media you can find us facebook twitter instagram tumblr or youtube All you have to do is add the tag at DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, -C O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. And with that, you have a way to always let us know what you're thinking. I'm your host, Seth Singleton, and I thank you again for joining me for this episode. If you want to find me out there online um for right now just go ahead and try Twitter at one more singleton and in the meantime until we gather again as always read more comics thanks for joining me folks looking forward to seeing you next time